Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on, guys? We have a very special guest, Sean Callagy. He's an entrepreneur, national speaker, philanthropist, one of America's top trial attorneys, online personality, and creator of various peak performance technologies. He's done a multitude of things, but the reason we're having him here is because he aligns with Edwards Consulting Values. He, we have mental health, physical, community, relationships, and spirituality and Cal- Mr. Callagy has succeeded in all of these. So how are you doing today, Sean? Uh, Jordan, I'm super grateful to be here, uh, to serve, love what you're up to in the world and thankful for everybody who is uh, listening. So yeah, I'm doing great and thank you. Definitely. We're excited to have you here on the Clocked In podcast. So let's just start off. Where did, uh, where did you grow up? Where'd you go to college? What's your story? Yeah, so um, I was born in Jersey City, New Jersey, um, which is a uh, northern New Jersey sort of uh, not inner city, but city environment for sure. Um, parents were divorced when I was one year old, did not grow up with any money. In fact, my mom pushed a hot dog cart for uh, a time, a uh, relatively brief time, but a time in my first year of life. And Grew up there, then ended up uh, sort of migrating throughout northern New Jersey uh, in Bergen County, as they would call it here. And I was an athlete growing up, um, and I learned so much. I had so many incredible mentors in the athletic space. I was a baseball player, football player, and wrestler in high school. I was captain of my college baseball team at Columbia University. And those dynamics of athletics and the mentors, the coaches, the people I met there, and while we weren't rich financially, my family was made up of such love, warmth, and heart, and teaching. We weren't perfect. None of us are perfect. We're all perfectly imperfect. But it was a, an incredible and blessed environment to grow up in uh, with just mentorship, love, teaching. And I couldn't help, uh, in my mind, my nervous system, I couldn't help but want to pass along those things to people who weren't as rich, quote unquote, um, in mentorship, in teaching, and love. And then, like, I found the work of Tony Robbins in my late 20s, and that just put it all together in a new and different way. Yeah, so I wanted to dive into that. So I I know in your story, you went to law school, you were struggling at first, and then you just start figured out this way to excel in studying. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sorry. You go, you go. go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 
I didn't know until I found Tony's work and his models of and discussions of NLP, um, which talks extensively about modeling. And I realized that anybody who's successful in anything is modeling. You know, and, and it's interesting sometimes, Jordan, that people claim ownership over concepts. Um, and I think there's ownership over labeling of concepts. You know, modeling is a, a brilliant, beautiful uh, phraseology that exists. But modeling has been around since the beginning of time. You know, it's how we learn to walk. It's how we learn to do everything that we do. And we just put um, some better frameworks around it. So I was, uh, you know, in law school, I realized that I had no study habits. I had grown up a relatively intelligent person. I had done pretty well on standardized tests. And I went, but I would never have gotten to Columbia, never have gotten into Columbia unless I had baseball. Um, and my, you know, I was a national honor society in high school, but not Columbia level grades. And so when um, I was in law school, I realized that, you know what, I've been relying upon just whatever my intelligence level was and my ability to handle uncertainty and pressure, cramming and those sorts of things. But I had done a lot of learning uh, off the athletic field in my life. And so when I got to law school, I'm like, I got to find the people who are doing really well. And I started finding the people who are doing really well. I started asking them questions and, and here's the best part of the story. I was modeling in terms of what I was listening to and that was good. And then I was deleting, diluting and distorting what they were telling me. <laughs> so I went into my first exam and I got a C plus in my first law school exam and I thought I failed it. And, and by the way, what I mean, I don't mean my first test. I mean exam, like my grade in my first semester in constitutional law was a C plus. And what I realized um, right after that exam is I wasn't doing what these people were telling me to do. And like that, I had a shift and implement it. And it was miraculous to me what happened by doing that over the next four days between constitutional law and my contracts exam. And then I got an A in my contracts exam. Contracts exam. And then I just kept modeling that. And it was incredible. And then I realized later um, that all that was was modeling. And I realized later that when I wasn't having success in my life and I was having success in my life, that there was a formula and a pattern to all of it. Yeah. And we're going to dive into all that a little bit later, but that is so important. What Sean just said there, modeling. There's so many people that look to their parents or look to friends as guidance, but we need to model who we want to live like. So you got to look up and you got to see those people who are doing much better than us. So we can learn their habits and their skills and how they did it, whether they're alive or dead, whether we talk to them or listen to them, so many variables. So then you go to law school, you graduate, get this top-notch job, and then you just go, you quit. What, what's that all about? So what I realized very quickly um, was I thought I had won the game of law school. Because I thought the game of law school was about get the biggest job um, at the best firm. And I did not have any understanding of business any, at that point, how anything worked. Um, I'm thinking through everything is through an athletic prism in my mind. And I don't say this a lot. But this is going to be maybe the first time I'm saying it. My dad was in sales. Okay. My dad was in sales. And I didn't ever even think of like what the heck he did for a living. <laughs> So my dad sold things, right? And influenced people. 
And sometimes it gets frustrating. It's like, you know, you, you talk about influence, all this stuff. You do realize that I was in sales and you're around <laughs> me. I'm like, dad, I, I do. And I'm like, but I didn't even pay attention to what the heck you were doing because all I was putting everything through the prism of when we would go to a Met game and he would be there with a potential client. And he, saw he, he was in trucking. He yeah. sold trucking companies. I would be thinking about the game. I would be thinking about, I want to play here someday. I wasn't thinking about the fact that you're there talking to somebody about business. I didn't even know that was happening. You yeah. Know, so you know, kind of funny. So when it came time um, and I quit my job, I realized at that point, I didn't want to be anybody that was there. I just didn't want to be those people. I didn't want to function in those ways. And there was no judgment about any of them. I didn't want to be my dad either. I didn't want to be my stepfather either. I didn't want to have their life and their relationship to their work. And I'm like, I got to do something different. So right before I made my decision, I read Tony Robbins, The Waking the Giant Within. I read, uh, read Jerry Spence's How to Argue and Win Every Time. And I read some other things. And I'm like, I'm going to quit. And this is, and I don't emphasize this point uh, that often, Jordan, I'm going to emphasize it here. This is the, and this is the actual fact and sometimes when we talk about things from the past, we can recreate them to dramatize them. This yeah. is a fact. I quit my job and started my own law firm as an experiment to see if personal development actually worked. And that's exactly what happened. And so I was scared to death. I quit my job. They offered me psychological counseling. My mother, whose house I'm in right now, doing this, I'm going to have a nice quick dinner with after this, said, please don't. You're crazy. And that's what's happening. Oh my God. I love that because it's you, you, it's the, it's the whole modeling thing. Again, you looked up and you said, I don't want to model any of these people. So I have to go and rearrange my life and how I want to do it. And you look to Tony and you go, I don't like what Tony's doing. Let me see if it works for me. Um, But that's definitely a jump. So you go there, you, you start your law firm. What, Obviously, did you have some struggles? I, I can uh, imagine too many to count. <laughs> Brother, um, I, and you know what this, you, this is, every time I'm privileged uh, to serve um, in communicating and speaking on a platform like yours, Jordan, I really try to think about things I haven't said before. And I'll tell you this, I don't think I've said this yet, right? In, in at least the last five or 10 years. Um, I, when I started my, my, my law firm, I was so scared and freaked out and so exhausted every day that I simultaneously started a, a network marketing business in Excel communications. It was like selling phone service right at the same time. And I think I did it as a distraction to feel like I wasn't failing every day. And by the way, I don't even believe there's anything about failure, but like I had this like dual thing going on to distract myself from my abject terror and fear on a daily basis. And I don't share that story very often. And boy, I was terrible at selling Excel communications and building that business. I was awful at it. Um, but that was going on at the same time. I started a law firm and every day I wanted to quit everything. Every day I felt sorry for myself. Every day I felt scared out of my mind. Every single solitary day for at least the first six months, I often say year, got a little better in the back six months, but the first six months for sure. I appreciate you opening up about that and sharing that. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's many entrepreneurs now who are just trying to find their footing. So they do a hundred different things. Meanwhile, the focus is where you got to get into and figure out what you want to grow. So tell us about that. um, The time where you ended up going to the lawyer's house, he had the lion or the tiger or something. And it was just interesting. Your first real experience. Yeah. So this is what it looked like. Um, And it, it was, it was a chiropractor's house and what was going on. I got a call from a lawyer that said, Hey, do you want to go meet this guy? And do you want to handle um, this type of business? I, I didn't even know what it was. He said, it's pit barbs. I'm like, what the hell is a pit barb? And yes, set up the meeting for tonight. You know, I was running my own networking group at the time for BNI. And, um, and I, I'm very thankful uh, for my time at BNI. It taught me, it helped me make some breakthroughs about what worked about the model and what I think was suboptimal about the model, right? And so, um, so I was there and I was uh, innovating and I was scared out of my mind and um, I was just beginning to realize the power of speaking and like stepping, like leaning into it. But this phone call came in, I go down to this guy's house. It looks like, it looks like Scarface uh, <laughs> Mansion, maybe a little smaller, but, but it, was, it was a humongous house. Right. You could have put, I put four of my houses in this house and, um, it was, um, he had a lion in his backyard for real. And another fun exclusive Jordan, he had two attack dogs and the story went that one he had gotten from the German border patrol (laughs) that they were going to put the dog down because the German border patrol dog was totally out of its mind. And the second one was from the Czech, allegedly, I, I've confirmed none of this, right? But this is what I was told, was from the Czechoslovakian secret police. And both had been shipped over from Europe. He had both dogs and they couldn't get out or they would eat you, which I thought he was exaggerating. And one's name was Aldo, by the way, one was Aldo. And, a le- and later when I would represent this guy, Aldo would later get out of the backyard, run down the lawn and attack somebody and break their arm and require 250 staples. Like that happened. Like that's not, like I, I saw the complaint from the guy, right? And he had a lion in his backyard named Isis. Yes, Isis before Isis knew oh what it does today. Yeah. And so I'm, so my point in sharing all that is, and he had sports cars and, you know, a very um, presentable wife that was probably about 20 years younger. And, you know, it was just every, and by the way, I'm not saying that in, in a uh, derogatory way, but just like every trapping of, alpha energy that one might have was what I walked into. Like if it was an alpha hierarchical primacy dynamic of energy, I walked into it. Giant house, lion in the backyard, two attack dogs, very presentable um, wife that was considerably younger, um, you know, like just, just alpha sports cars, like energy. And then he's like, listen, this is what we're going to do. And the things he wanted me to do were not things I was going to do right? For reasons beyond the scope of what we're talking about, right? And, but at the end of the day, I said, listen, I, I don't want to do any of those things, but here's what I know. I know that I can help. I know that I'm here for a reason because you have something missing. You're not sitting here talking to me because everything's perfect in your life. And I won't go blow for blow. I delivered, and I, I won't do any justice to it, but I delivered very powerfully my heroic unique identity to him. Yeah. At the end of it, he gave me a chance. And that chance is one of two things that launched my business. 
What were the two things? What do you mean? What was the yeah. other two things? So, so the two things that launched it were first my ability to go from hello to yes and create yeah. disruption for him. And he gave me he gave me fifty five cases to work on for him. Fifty five cases. I had a, this is why I say I started my own law firm, my credit card. I had to pay three hundred and fifty dollars per case as a filing fee. So if you multiply fifty five times three fifty, it's somewhere uh, around twenty grand, right? And so this is what I put on my credit card. And for the life of me, I don't know how the hell I had a credit card that I could have put $20,000 on. Because I've said that. And somebody's like, how'd you have it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I had a credit card with that credit limit. Because that's completely crazy because I had no money. Yeah. But, I, but I did, right? And, and then I find out that the cases are not good cases. <laughs> the cases are tied up in litigation with a giant insurance company. And I'm like, and they're being handled by somebody else. And I'm like, are you kidding? How did you give me these? Well, this is my life. So that's going on. And I make the decision. I'm like, the only way that I'm going to get to the other side of like, like launching my firm is I've got to get to a resolution. I've got to get my money out of this. I've got to get these cases paid. And this is in the middle of this like disastrous lawsuit. I thought what I was doing was helping him get these paid in a much more effective and efficient way in this very simple process. And it was like this utter insane disaster so i'm like right so long story short on that uh less than a year later um actually from the time i filed them i would yeah probably about six to eight months i delivered three million dollars to his house um, incredible yeah and and that was a formula of hello to yeses all over the place where um I was watching a very prominent attorney that was involved in the case representing my client, who was not me, right? I was watching him create more and more conflict, more and more strife, more and more ego, more and more problems, right? And I'm like, can I just take, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll, I'll be the good cop, right? Which is not what I was thinking. What I was thinking is I'll be the person of effective influence because this is not working, Right. So I stepped into the situation and was able to resolve it uh, from the time I took it over as direct uh, lead in under two months and delivered the three million bucks. And that changed everything for me because then I understood my heroic unique identity was in place. He told two friends who told two friends who told two friends um, about how effective I was and all the things I was doing. And it was on. And that's one part. And the other part is because I realized the power of public speaking. So while all this is beginning, right, um, I realized my BNI group that because that was because that was two things happened. Um, yeah, you could you could say that that was luck that I got that phone call. Yeah, and it, it was a blessing. Now it was a blessing though that was the byproduct of building a great relationship and having my heroic unique identity cemented with somebody at my former firm who made the call to refer that. But I will, I will grant that the call itself was very, I was very fortunate. Now, what I did after the call was at the, the highest level of influence mastery um, at that time that I could have possibly imagined to not only get him to say yes, to give me a chance, but then also to take over the case and get to the ultimate yes and deliver that money to his house. Well, that's right. amazing. That's exactly yeah. the major distinction that I was going to bring up. First of all, Sean's saying yes. An opportunity comes up, you say yes. 
And then the second thing he did is he not pretended, but proved to himself that he could do it while he was doing it (laughs) at that time, in which case he took ownership of it and was able to extract that money from it's from the medical insurance, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, $3 million from a major insurance company that had not paid him for, you know, 10 different reasons. And we had to deal with all those reasons and issues. Yeah. So he's a resolver. He didn't look at the problems at all. There's so many people focusing on the problem at hand. He's like, let's focus on the solution. And that's why Sean, you keep going. Yeah. So that was the outcome. And by the way, I'll be clear. When I got involved, they wanted money back from him. It wasn't like there was an offer. Like they were suing him. They wanted money back. They were like, uh, no, no, this ends with you writing us a check. Not, um, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, get paid $3 million. You know, like that, that's not what the conversation was. So that was there. But what, and, and to, to be very specific about it, that was a sales process. You know, once I got to his house, that was a sales process. The marketing process was what generated the relationship with that person who referred it to me, but that was still randomized. So that represents the formula at work in a sales process. But let me give you it in a marketing context, okay? Yeah. So the second giant breakthrough I was referring to earlier was I'm in my BNI group, and I realized that I need to generate a much higher quality uh, and much more direct sales meeting. Yeah. So uh, I go out and I start. And I realized super quickly, um, I started studying the work of Jay Abraham, and I began to realize the concept of um, preeminence, which I'll refer to as your heroic unique identity. And I began to say like, okay, so how can I communicate with people that will be my clients? Where can I find a bunch of people? Maybe they're not quite as large because he was like the top of the food chain in chiropractic in New Jersey in many ways in terms of scope of business, size of business. I'm like, how can I find a bunch of other chiropractors in the same room? And so I went and there was the Northern New Jersey Chiropractic Society. I'm like, I'm going to go talk to these people, but I don't know them. So I'd asked the person in my BNI group, where did chiropractors gather? He said, Northern New Jersey Chiropractic. I'm like, do you have any relationships? He's like, not really, but I know somebody made me on the board you know, of that organization. Um, and through the same series of Holodias Dynamics, through the formula, I end up uh, in the conversation, excuse me, go from hello to yes with them because I understood the problems and issues they had and I get an opportunity to speak. And within that opportunity to speak, my issue, my dynamic was not about, hey, let me just go in there and tell them how to collect money from insurance companies. My dynamic was how do we powerfully walk into that room? Um, and at that stage, I hadn't recovered that money, by the way, footnote. I had not yet recovered the money for the other gentleman, right? Um, and I walked in and said, you know, start talking about that you're at war and you don't even know it. The name of my talk was you're at war. You are at war and you don't even know it. And I came in like, boom, like you're at war. I said, thank you so much for being here. I, I shouldn't say anything. I just started with the introduce me. And then I'm like, you are at war and you don't even know it. And I was moving around the room with her like, and then they introduced me as like an attorney. And these people are like, what is happening right now? And they ended up in a line of people to talk to me, a line of people to become my clients. A short time later, I was speaking in front of the um, New Jersey Chiropractic Society. And that's what it looked like. And so those two things led 
to the exponential expansion of me recovering money for these these folks. And it was over at this point, it's like four hundred million dollars, right? Recovered. Yes. So yeah. So that three million has had actually the four hundred million does not include the three million because that's my first law firm. So it's probably somewhere around my best guess would be four hundred and fifty million yeah. uh, ish. Um, you know, since inception. So to the original 3 million, we've added about 447 million. Wow. And that, that, that's the thing about Sean is that he, he's focusing and he's doing something completely different. He's focusing on the marketing, but he's also the influence, the hello to yes, which is something we can dive into. Cause let me just fast track everyone. You went, you had your law firm, closed it down, started a coaching business, excelled in that, if anything's incorrect, let me know. But I, uh, well, I so, sold the, yeah. the sold the first law firm. Yeah, yeah. it was a, a successful exit, selling it for um, you know it was valued in millions. Yeah, yeah. And then you went to a coaching school, yeah. used the formula again, excelled, started making forty k a month, right? Yeah, third month. Yeah, <laughs> this is Sean gets unnatural results. But it is possible for everyone. You know that, right? Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, I will tell you why it's possible for everyone. Absolutely. Okay? Because I am not the smartest guy in the room. I failed. I failed freshman high school geometry for the year. I failed. F. Um, at Columbia, I got... In my major, I was about a 3.2. I think my overall GPA at Columbia was somewhere around a 3.0 upon graduating, like a B average. Um, I got a C plus in my first law school exam. And yeah, I mean, I'm not the smartest guy. Um, I've always had a lot of empathy. So if you want to like start to talk about, you know, something of real value, the empathy for my grandfather being blind, you know, uh, me eventually knowing I was going blind and my family and their heart. Yeah. Empathy. You know, if you want to say, well, I don't know, man, could I, I'm not that smart. I guarantee you a lot of you are smarter than me. Um, at least in general IQ. Right. Um, yeah. you know, but, but empathy, love, tenacity, um, consistency, and actually, and this basically the ability to learn something and not delete it, dilute it, distort it. Like yeah. that may be my superpower. Oh, this is what you do. Wait a minute. You can bench press 300 pounds just by doing this and always adding a little bit more weight and then varying a little bit. Oh, okay. So now I bench over 300 pounds uh, when I'm a sophomore in college. You know, like, oh, okay. And wait, uh, yeah, I'm only 180 pounds, but like, oh, that's supposed to matter? I didn't know that. You're like, So just following the model is what I would say has been the most effective fundamental part of me as well as my heart and love for people. Yeah, I, I love that. And he's one of the most heart-centered people there are because there's so many people, and I mean me myself sometimes, that social, socially throughout life you hear no so many times and you're just, you think that this is how life should be, but Sean's a shining example of you, ha- you can control your own destiny. So yeah. yeah, so now Sean's doing this thing with Unblinded and, and what's that all about? Sure. So when I first uh, saw Tony, actually back up, when I saw what my high school coaches did for people like me, yeah, what they taught me, how they changed my life, just 
the, the installation of discipline and toughness and love with love, right? I wanted to do that. I just want to do that. I'm like, what could be better than to and match for people? And so I want to be a coach, right? And when I was in law school, and I don't share this as often, um, you know, because it, it's hard to get into the story, right? And, you know, people, you, you don't want to say too much. But in law school, it's relevant to this question. I coached junior football. My friends oh, wow. and I played high school football together um, all during law school. When I was in law school, coached seventh and eighth grade junior football. I did it for five years. I did it the year before law school because I, I didn't. I worked for a year between uh, Columbia and law school. I coached the year before, the three years of, and the year after when I first started the giant law firm. Like the last year was hard for me to make a lot of the practices, but I was four years every practice, every day, every everything, all in, and I loved it. So then when I saw Tony Robbins, uh, well, when I read his book and when I listened to his CDs, um, and then when I went to the first seminar I went to, I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. Like, this might even be better than coaching football, right? Because you're having, you're, you're taking all those same beautiful, incredible things and you're making them directly apply to the, less, the rest of somebody's life. You know, very specifically, you need a lot less translation, you know, to the lessons of football and baseball and coach. Amazing. But a lot of my friends didn't translate them into the life that they wanted. Yeah. They didn't translate. I did. They didn't. Right. So there's a lot of translation, a lot that gets deleted, diluted, distorted as you try to apply those principles to like life and business. It was really hard. Right. So I'm like, yeah, let me do this. And that's what was super present for me. And when I sold the first law firm and I proved to myself that personal development works, just like bench pressing, just like going to the batting cages, it works, man. This is crazy, crazy. Just like squatting makes your 60 times faster. And I'm sure now with the evolution of things, people tell me, well, that's not exactly true. Getting stronger makes you faster. And there's other things I'm sure that I don't know about you know, today because I'm not studying yeah. speed building like I was, but sure as hell made me faster right? Back yeah. in the day. And I was fast already and made me a lot faster. So the same way all these things work. Now I know that personal development actually does work and I don't want to go teach to people. So I ran my business, um, 04, 05, 06 in training development. I realized that there was nights and weekends. I know you're on a mad tear all over the place, brother. I, I honor you, what you're doing, Jordan. It's amazing. And I had, I had three small children. I had actually, uh, yeah, by that time I had three small children, uh, yeah. you know, my son and two daughters and I wanted to be there for them. And yeah. I'm like, I, I can make a law firm much more business owner, not operator, and keep me free. So I sold um, the coaching and training company. Uh, kind of gave parts of it away, sold part, like it was like that. Yeah. Um, and then in building a second law firm, uh, I always knew that Unblinded was coming. I didn't have the name Unblinded. I did have a formula that I had built in the first training company to replicate why I thought people didn't get a lot of the results they wanted in personal development. And I'm like, well, my kids are grown, you know, not like, you know, late high school, they're busy. I'm going to relaunch this. And I'm blinded is the launching of what I wanted to do since the first minute I saw Tony Robbins speak. So that was in 1997. And I did it for a little while in mid two thousands. I did it consistently inside my own law firm, never stopped training on the formula. I would give it away a lot for free um, back in, 08, 09, 10, 11, 12, 13. I'd run events for doctors, clients, people, giving away the formula, you know, whatever. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this in a huge way. 
um, when my kids are retiring me for my favorite job, which is being there for them, uh, which was amazing. And the greatest time of my life to date, this is pretty amazing as well. Uh, but I'm not going to lie, you know, coaching 12 year old baseball, 10 year old soccer, 16 year old baseball is still my favorite job of all time. Uh, I love this second favorite. Right. Um, and now it's about bringing this to the world and that's where we are. Yeah. And I'm a big advocate of unblinded. I'm actually one of the members and the stuff they're doing is incredible. And I, I can't commend them enough because they're constantly putting out new content. Now in, we have about like 10, 15 minutes left. Yeah. What, if you don't, I don't know if you're open to talking and putting it out there, but what, yes. what's really the formula that these people are needed? De- like, how does someone get someone to go to hello to yes? And sure. what do they need to do? Yeah. So there's three parts to the formula. And the part you're, you're speaking into, Jordan, is influence mastery. Yeah. There's process mastery of what you do with it. And that's the structure of like ecosystem merging. And it's like, you know, what you do with it. Sales media, speaking engagement, sales media, sales. That's process mastery. Self-mastery is getting yourself to do it, but I'm going to speak into your question, which is influence mastery, which is the power of going from low to yes. So let's start with this. Because sometimes people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I know sales. Like, oh, okay. Then I guess you have all the sales you want in the world. Well, uh, no. <laughs> okay. Then maybe we have something to talk about, right? And so influence mastery, what came up for me is when I start, first started experiencing people in the space of personal development and in the space of professional development. So people going to seminars and then people that were lawyers and accountants and whomever, and both seemed to be quite frustrated and quite unhappy. Okay. So I said, okay, well, if it's all that easy, like, like bench pressing or like, you know, at least how to functionally tackle somebody then what's missing and why aren't these people accelerating more? And why am I in the very beginning? And then I started to realize that I had a model for influence. And that model for influence was what was creating the differentiation. And so if you, if you want you know, to, to learn that model is in a wildly extensive amount of time and conversation, but I want to give some really tangible takeaways for today. Absolutely. So, yeah, so remember four... 10 and four, four, 10 and four. There's four steps. There's 10 indispensable elements. And there's four energies. You might go, what does that mean? Okay. The steps are what happens in a linear process. Like step one, step two, step three, step four. So in every conversation I have with people, a person, and you can have the same ability you have, you will know where you are in every conversation. Now, footnote, this is why somebody like Tony Robbins might look like magic or Bruce Springsteen might look like magic or whomever your favorite artist is or like, like John Wooden or let's go Lil Holtz at Notre Dame or Newt Rockney, Newt, Rock, Newt Rockney giving his famous win one for the Gipper speech. It might look like magical, like Martin Luther King and JFK. And like, how's all this happen? It's incredible. And it is. But it's not magic. It's advanced science. And people may go, they're just so gifted. They're so gifted. And yeah, like, yeah. The gift is that they modeled something. They learned something. 
Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali learned how to do something magical with his communication, but it was a science. And I can explain every bit of what he did and why it worked. And that's the science of it. And it can be learned and replicated. So the four steps are where you are in the conversation. The 10 indispensable elements, they surround the four steps. They go around them. And if they disappear, then the four steps don't work. And this is why people can be like, you know, I'm a great communicator, man. I took this course and they said, hey, this is where you go. You hook, pitch, close, done. Hook, pitch, close, done. Hook, pitch, close. No, no, no. Like it, it never worked that way. And in 2020, it sure as heck doesn't work that way because people have such access to communication. They're, they're being bombarded with influence and offers and presentations. So people know exactly what's happening when somebody calls up and goes, uh, hello, I'm calling, done. Right? Because hello, I'm calling means cold call. Yeah. Cold call means not valuable. Done. Right? So the indispensable elements make the four steps work. That's why they're indispensable. And there's four energies. And the four energies of influence are why people look and seem boring and there's nothing happening and you're like oh my god this is painful yeah or you're like okay no interesting yeah kind of nice guy nice woman okay but then sometimes we're like did you see that who is that what's happening when people are congruently unique so your outcome in first encounters with people is to leave them Feeling, knowing, believing that you are congruently unique, congruently unique, and they become curious. That's the outcome. So if you're benefit throwing and you're pitching, like you're not congruently unique. You're common. You may be a wonderful person, but yeah. your presentation is common. Therefore, they think you're common. You're not. You're amazing, wonderful incredible, unbelievable, made for greatness, but conditioned to protect yourself and hide, longer story for a different day. And if you show up that way, like nothing's happening. And so there's a formula. And Jordan, you want me to give a couple of quick takeaways from the formula or to pause there? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so, absolutely. All right. So takeaway number one, right? is that there is a formula. That's takeaway number one. And you don't have to learn my formula. I'm going to submit to you that it's the best in the world. And I'll, I'm open to, if it's not, and come tell me, come show me something different. Um, but that's what I currently believe, right? And I haven't seen anything to tell me differently since we've done 243 real raw opens during COVID. I've watched communication happen every single day and I haven't seen anything to convince me otherwise. But I'm open because I want to learn. If there's a better one out there, I want to learn it. And I'll pay for it because I pay to learn all the time. That's number one. There's a formula. Number two, the beginning of that formula tells us step one is the creation of creation of emotional rapport. And what that means very simply, so this anchors, is that we do not want to be Charlie Brown's teacher saying wah, 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 wah. An emotional rapport creates a pattern disruption that opens listening. We have to open listening. And every time listening collapses, 
every time it collapses, we have to reopen it. I am so present to, meaning aware of, cognizant of, like knowing when um, rapport closes. I know it in a group training, I know it in individual training, and I'm going to reopen it. And now you can't necessarily reopen it for every person in the room, but you can be present to where the general energy is in a group, and you could sure as heck know with every person you're talking to if their listening is closed. And when their listening closes, you have to reopen it. That's my second takeaway. You go, okay, dude, how? The how is with questions, and that's at least a couple hours of conversation, so I'm going to pause there. But it's through effective questions that have other indispensable elements wrapped around them. So it's by asking open-ended questions. And I'll give you one. Hey, so Jordan, yeah, like just wondering, like, what's present for you right now? Huh? What? Yeah, like, I don't know, just how's this resonating for you or not? Like, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? That would be something when yeah. I feel listening closed that I would ask somebody. Right? Third takeaway, right? And the integrity-based human influence, you know, our influence mastering. Third takeaway is your outcome in building rapport with people is to have people feeling authentically, authentically, what Oprah Winfrey said was why she held the microphone for 30,000 people. Modeling. If Oprah says, hey, this is why I held the microphone for 30,000 people, I think I'm going to listen, Right? And she said in her final YouTube, her final episode, which, which you can see on YouTube, she said that everybody felt from her this. I see you, I hear you, and what you say matters to me. So in emotional rapport building, in handling objections, in reaching an agreement, which other people call closing, I would suggest losing words like pitch, hook, close, story for a different day as well. It's that people feel seen, heard, and validated. I was on a call, Joy, this very morning, this morning, with a tight, a top crisis management team for somebody I care very much about who's in a BS crisis nonsense, right? And we're having a conversation, and the people in the crisis management team are going, uh, so, yeah, so when you had the party, and the whole issue is it wasn't a party. That's one of the five big issues. Yeah. And I could feel inside of me i could feel the person like it's not a party yeah. and i'm like yeah yeah so mary making that name up i'm like just remembering it wasn't a party remember this is what happened abcd it wasn't a party like oh okay a minute later so when, so at the party whose idea was the party <laughs> and i'm like they're not listening and what that's doing is the opposite of i see you I hear you. And what you say matters to me. Rapport is being destroyed. This person is thinking like, oh my God. So I disrupted it again and we got on track. But that would be one of a billion endless series of examples of how we don't do that for people. And finally, just really quickly, last thing, last takeaway. So see you, hear you, and what you say matters to me. And the way we do that, fourth takeaway, is what we call level five listening. And all we have time for to give you on that is level five listening is you not just thinking about what you want to say. That's level one, but there's a long way to level five in listening. And level five is you're, you're being present to. I, I don't want to talk about just hearing. You're feeling, you're, being, you're, you're connecting with the energy of, your mind being present to, your heart, your ears, all of it. What are they saying? 
what are they not saying? Why are they saying it? And why are they not saying something else? Because every single thing people do and say is for a reason. And level five listening is dialed into it. And that feeds right into the third point, what was, I see you, I hear you, what you say matters to me. And when you start there, now you've begun. And then we get to steps two, three, and four. So I'll pull out there, Jordan. I, first of all, everyone should rewind that and listen to that again and take some notes. Because I see you, I feel you, and I hear you. I, I see what, you. I see I you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. And what you say matters to me. And what you say matters to me will yeah. not only apply in sales, it will apply yeah. in any relationship you have. If you yeah. are not having a good time with a friend, I see you. I hear you. I feel like you have to do, put these in line because you want to apply this. This formula applies everywhere, everywhere in your yeah. life to accentuate yeah. relationships, sales any interaction with human beings because we're all humans. Amen, brother. Amen. John, you are something special. Unblinded is going to be very big. Where can we find you? Where can the people find you? Yeah. You know what, Jordan? Um, so a couple different things, but on, I, I made this decision in the last 24 hours. So for your, um, viewers, listeners, right? You as a part of Elite, you have your tickets, but if there's anybody here that wants to come to the Unblinded um, Licensed Professional Immersion, even if you're not a licensed professional, but you reference um, this podcast and Jordan, you're more than welcome to come. And it's on um, October 24th. I'm not sure if this will be up before then, but if it's, if it's past that date, and right, we could talk about future events. Fine, contact us. Uh, contact us. But if you want to find us, come to the huddle, theunblindedhuddle.com. Every morning, eight thirty a.m. Eastern time, every day. Come find us there. Come find us in the real raws. And there's so much we can begin together. Most importantly, the Unblinded platform is not about me. It's about everybody coming together to make the world a greater place, to accelerate our money, our time, and our magic. Like that's what we're doing. And there's space for everybody who's heart-centered, whose desire is to consistently be in integrity and to advance positive vibrational energy, then you're in the right place. I'm going to drop one footnote. One footnote is there is a lightning bolt on our Unblinded logo, and that's for a reason. Because being heart-centered doesn't mean taking, taking stuff from people. That's fear and distortion. It means confronting. It means being in truth. It means having boundaries that are healthy and effective for you. And it's just so that what that wasn't present, it is present, that you have a right to be loved and be treated with respect, just like you treat people with love and respect as well. And when that's violated, you have a right to do something about it within the bounds of the law and ethics, of course, but to disrupt that and make sure that you're setting the record straight and being heart-centered and loving doesn't mean allowing non-integrous behavior to crash your boundaries. So, Sean, you're the man. Dude, I appreciate you. Let me see if I can get this out in time so that the listeners can definitely hop on the weekend. I'm going to be there. I'm very excited for it. Um, but otherwise, thank you so much, brother. And uh, we'll talk very soon. I appreciate you. Jordan, brother, I appreciate you and everything you do in the world. Thank you so much for tonight and all of you. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that... We'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.
Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.